Weirdo bookworms, unite. We want to share our love of genre fiction with you. Some readers out there may look down on you for your love of horror, sci-fi, and fantasy, but not us. So stop by as we discuss what we've been reading. Hi, genre junkies. It's Sandra. And it's Scott. And we're here from quarantine. Of course, we're quarantined together. We're stuck together. We are stuck help together. Us, help us. <laughs> um, Get with- the jaws of life. <laughs> For a sci-fi episode tonight, which is really exciting. Um, I know, like, we haven't done, well, we haven't really done a sci-fi book exactly like this in a while. It's been a while since we've done a space opera. A space opera, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Um, So, you know, we go through our books and we go through our lists and stuff. And there was a couple of options, actually, for this slot for sci-fi. And I asked Scott, like, well, what are you, like, in the mood for? And he's like, I want ships. I want a ship's book. I want spaceships and preferably a, a great crew. I don't remember you saying the part about a great crew. I did. You did? I did. I said I want something with like a with like a plucky crew of characters oh. and spaceships, a la Firefly, that kind of thing. Well, I think I think we found it. I think, I think we nailed it. I, I think you nailed it picking this one out. Absolutely. So, so before we get into the book, which is A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. <laughs> Wonderful title, by the way. Um, uh, I guess we should just kind of say how we've been doing and what we've been into. Thoughts? Anything to share? I, I don't have a whole lot to share. It's still been a lot of Animal Crossing in this yep. house. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, this, We're in deep, people. Yeah. This has been my main, my main genre-related escape. Right. Uh, let's see. Did I mention on a previous episode? No, I can't remember. From I was in a f- little bit of a fugue state with my back muscle being torn and on steroids and confused and lost. Did I mention I read The Toll by Sherry Priest? I don't believe you did. It's a great horror book. I love Sherry Priest. And um, yeah, I wonder if anybody else out there has read that one because I'd be really, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a possible genre junkies book, but um, I just... I don't know. It really hit a lot of buttons in like a really good way for me. So that was cool. And then, um, oh, I also watched The Platform on Netflix, which is a sci-fi horror uh, Spanish language film, uh, Netflix original. Oh, my God. It is up. It is depraved. It is gross. One of those movies that actually makes you feel a little bit like like cringy, like kick in the stomach, like kind of nauseated. And it is phenomenal. Um, that's, that's a movie I really want to watch. I'm not prepared to watch it yet. It's not not really my time for that one, but I, I definitely very much want to watch that. Oh my gosh, I know. And I knew you were going to have that opinion, but I feel that it should be required viewing during this quarantine that's i think it's got some praise i think it's got some really important messages that everybody needs to be thinking about right now um during the shutdown um but it is not for the faint of heart nor weak of stomach (laughs) i was really happy my my cult show crew for the for my one of my other shows the cult show um they watched it and they really got a lot out of it too but yeah it was like yeah i mean content warning it's (laughs) it's a lot it's a lot it's heavy but it's brilliant brilliant 
it. I wish that I've been. I wish that I was able to join you on your your horror movie binges that you've been doing. I just I can't. There's always can't handle there's it. always been movies that I'm like I don't know if this is for you or I don't know if this is for you right now. See, see, whereas where I am right now, and we'll get into this. There is a show that I am very much looking forward to binging as soon as I can, and I might finally make you binge it with me. What is it? We'll get into that in just a moment. Oh lord! Oh lord! Someone help me. Send help. It re- We've been stuck together. We've been caged together too long. I guess it really depends on what your experience with this book was. Oh. It really, really does. Okay. Well, let's 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 talk about the book. <laughs> All right, let me tell you about The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. Rosemary Harper doesn't expect much when she joins the crew of the aging Wayfarer. While the patched-up ship has seen better days, it offers her a bed, a chance to explore the far-off corners of the galaxy, and, most importantly, some distance from her past. An introspective young woman who learned early to keep to herself, she's never met anyone remotely like the ship's diverse crew, including Sissix, the exotic reptilian pilot, chatty engineers Kizzy and Jenks, who keeps the ship running, and Ashby, their noble captain. Uh... Ed Note and others. <laughs> <laughs> Life aboard the Wayfair is chaotic and crazy, exactly what Rosemary wants. It's also about to get extremely dangerous when the crew is offered the job of a lifetime. Tunneling wormholes through space to a distant planet is definitely lucrative and will keep them comfortable for years, but risking her life wasn't part of the plan. In the far reaches of deep space, the tiny Wayfarer crew will confront a host of unexpected mishaps and thrilling adventures ventures that force them to depend on each other. Oh, I like this part. To survive, Rosemary's got to learn how to rely on this assortment of oddballs, an experience that teaches her about love and trust, and that having a family isn't necessarily the worst thing in the universe. I love that description, actually. I love that description. Except for it doesn't, I mean, there's like some really important crew members that are left out of the oddball crew description. There are, but I... I I can't believe that this book never came in my like periphery. I yeah. never this never came across my desk. I never, never recognized my desk. I mean, like this never rang a bell for me because this this that kind of description is right up my alley. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I told Scott when I started reading the book, I was like, if you do not like this, I will eat my hat <laughs> <laughs> because this is so like Scott. This is so Scott. I mean, it's not as like absurd as like your Douglas Adams. But, oh, no, no. But it's like, but you like that fun sort of vibe. You like a, a misfit crew. It's a space opera. Um, it's very funny. It is very funny. And it's also like really sci-fi-y, like super sciencey at times. And it's cool because in books like this, we have a Rosemary character who doesn't know a lot. So like a lot of the exposition is people explaining to her and us, which is helpful for people like me that, you know, forget about, you know, the concept of tunneling wormholes and need someone to recap that for them. Okay, so in order to kind of get a little bit further in depth, now that we've now that we've teased you a little bit, we're going to tell you our experience scores with this book. I don't know who should go first in this. I'm going to go first. Oh, okay. I'm going to go first because this book is nothing short of obsession. This is absolutely, absolutely the book that I wanted to read right now. Mm -hmm. And it's not even a right now. This is the book (laughs) I've, I've wanted since Farscape went off of the air. 
Oh, that you heard it here, people. Hot take. Th- this book is is Farscape meets Firefly meets meets all of the great things about science fiction with really deep, like meaty science fiction ideas when it comes to the wormholes and the science and all that stuff that's going around and the really fun, you know, mismatch of characters that are ultimately a family on this ship. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I want all of the books. I want to just keep living in this world. This is, this is everything I love about science fiction. And Becky Chambers, who wrote it too, she's, um, she's no slouch. She's a real science person. Not that you have to be like to, you know, be, a writer of sci-fi but like her dad i think was um or her parents they were astrobiology educator aerospace engineer um yeah and i think she's done like sciencey stuff too like i mean like you can just tell you're just like oh you have a huge brain <laughs> like when you read this book so let me give you my experience score <laughs> so I knew Scott was going to love this book. And I had, like, I knew immediately, like, from the first few pages, Scott was going to love this book. This had been on my radar for some time. For those of you who are not aware, this is kind of a backlist title. This came out in 2016. So it's been on my radar for quite some time. And I was like, well, I do like sci-fi. I mean, obviously, I like sci-fi. I tend to lean more towards the speculative fiction. I've not always had the best of luck with space operas. So I was kind of like, we'll see. Sounds like a fun book, though. And I have heard a lot of praise for it. And along the way, (laughs) there was a journey because not only did I know Scott would love this book, I found myself loving this book. I found myself being genre junkies obsessed with this book. Um, This is a contender for the best book I've read this year. This is a contender for a new favorite in my life. This is a contender for everybody's going to get this for their Christmas slash Yule presents this year. Um, and so I finished this book and I was up alone late and I went to the bathroom because I had to have a book cry and you know, you know, and I didn't want to wake anybody else up. And I was just like, (laughs) like, I had that like hollow emptiness. And so I immediately, immediately like, um, you know, read the, you know, uh, there's actually three books in the Wayfarer series. Mm -hmm. And I went to look like, okay, okay, it's not about the crew. This is it with this crew. The other two books are not about the crew. I'm actually not sure that that's true. I'm pretty sure it's true. They're about, the next book is about some spinoff characters that were minor characters in this book. And then I think the last book is about other characters too. And that was part of what gave me like kind of a panic attack is I was like, I think this is, oh my God, see, you're experiencing it now. You see that it's part of three books, but I think every book is technically standalone in this series. I am hyperventilating a little bit. Yeah. Every book is technically technically standalone in this series is what I have read. I'll have to hold judgment because I love the world so much. That I'm sure we're going to love these books. Yes, but... But why can't it be about my crew, though? I need it to be about my crew. Yeah. My crew. Yeah. (laughs) I need to know what what they're going to do. I mean, okay, yeah. uh, I mean, the book doesn't... Like, let me put this out there as a reviewer. The book doesn't end in any such way that, you know, you're like... (sighs) 
like cliffhanger or like disappointment. Let me do. Should we say that? Yeah. No, I I agree. This isn't. This isn't. A That's sp- not a spoiler either. It's not a spoiler. It's not. It doesn't have an ending that is like, oh, you know, there, there's this. There's the next big thing coming, and 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 you know, it, it has a conclusion. Let's it's not. Put that it's way. not the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Where everything is in freaking disarray. I mean, there could be no books after this, and I would be. I would, well, I mean, I would cry, but I would be happy if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. There's, it's, um, it has a beginning, middle and an end. Yes. Um, that doesn't mean that I don't need Becky Chambers to live here in my house and just continually tell me stories about these characters because that's actually exactly what I need. <laughs> so, so as, as I was saying, you know, before we went into this whole thing, this makes me want to binge watch Farscape. Um, oh, no, don't ask. No, don't ask me to watch Farscape. <laughs> okay. It, this is a very, I mean, this is different. This right. is different. The, the idea is different, but the, but the, the dynamics are the same. Now, I've watched a few episodes of Farscape with you, and I get that you and other people love it. It has a legitimate cult following, beautiful practical puppets. It's so just, it didn't grab me. And that's fair. But the other thing... But you you binge it. Oh, I binge it. That is, just that, do that. That is a show. Yeah, I will binge it. I've binged it before. I'll binge it again. The end it's of going time. to be soon. Something about this book to keep in mind is if, especially if you are a fan of TV series like this, um, like, like Farscape, like Firefly, I've heard the expanses like this. Yes, of course. I've heard amazing things about the expanse. Is that this book is written in a little bit of a season arc. It, oh. it, it feels like the chapters are episodes in a season one and so there's a meta plot you know of what they're trying to do that this this big job but then there's smaller stories that happen on the way there and it's not written like it's not completely bifurcated like that it's not it's not like cut into little pieces but each chapter tells like a story in a way that a, a showrunner of a TV show tells individual stories. Now, see, that's interesting because in Becky Chambers' biography, it says she is a devotee of video and tabletop games. So I think even maybe even less than episodic television, it's like a good tabletop game, actually. Does that make like sense? Individual game sessions? Yeah, I can see that. Or absolutely. like an arc of a game session, you know, when your your characters complete the full adventure that your DM has laid out. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it feels like that to me, especially with the crew. Yeah. I guess, okay, here's the thing. And we will get into the nuts and bolts of the crew in the spoiler section. But before we talk about appeal, people, 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 I cannot express to you how much my love of this book is about the incredibly diverse cast of characters within it. And when I say diverse, I mean diverse. There's hominids, there's non-hominids. <laughs> there's um, every different type of gender and sexual identity. It is absolutely beautiful. Um, I cannot express to you how much that means to me. Um and how beautifully they just work together. And, you know, you can kind of tell from the description, this is, you know, the crew becomes a family, you know, type of thing, like all your good crews do. Um, and 
they're all so different and it's so beautiful and it's a wonderful, you know, kind of comparison to, you know, our own communities and our own city, state, country, world communities and like how we can work together and be kinder and celebrate and accept that uh, somebody's difference culturally or whatever is like totally okay. And it doesn't have to be for you, but that's okay. You can still find beauty in it. I absolutely home run with the characters this book it would be nothing without its characters it is a character driven story it is uh, every single one of the characters in this book has their time to shine and they're beautiful uh complicated in many cases alien yes i mean even i mean i will just say even within the humans that are in this story yeah there are very strong cultural alien differences based yeah. on where they grew up yes um i have to say i okay before we do the appeal one more thing i i, I want to know your favorite character i have to know your favorite character because oh okay because here's my thing i can't pick the favorite character that i have okay uh, i am kizzy <laughs> You are Kizzy. I am Kizzy. Um, She's better at mechanical things than me. I notoriously do not have a mechanical mind or I'm good at putting stuff together. I didn't play with Legos as a child. I don't know what happened. Um, But so I admire that about her. But she's a human exclamation point (laughs) like myself, even down to like being obsessed with spicy things and having like this her little spicy snack and everything i'm like yes girl yes and there was a few parts that i highlighted because i'm like yep that's me yep that's me and it's always wonderful when you feel represented in a book because you're like yes that's my girl that's totally me um but i have to say sissix is probably my favorite character if i can't pick myself Okay, so I I refuse to pick a favorite character. Oh, please. I re- no, I refuse. How I, can you pick a favorite character Because I know them? who your favorite I know who you think my favorite character is. And yes, I am Dr. Chef. <laughs> <laughs> is this kind of like a kissy thing? Uh, yes. You almost can't pick him because yeah. you are him? Well, yeah, because he, I mean, he loves to cook. He's, he cares about people. He's like kind of the, he's, he's kind of the, the, the one who kind of holds everybody together a lot of times. In your fantasy books and your sci-fi and other fiction, but especially fantasy, he's the sage. He's the, uh, the wizard in the woods type of thing, which is your favorite kind of archetype. Yes. The mentor. And I love him for that, but how can I say that he's my favorite over Sissix, who is beautiful and, and, and alien and- I love their culture and so much. kind and warm and then you have rosemary who who's complicated and dark but goes to just it, it acts as like th- this wonderful uh hu- human self-insertion center yeah to the story and has to go on a journey herself um there's ohan is amazing ohan is a great character also fills a a, a type in science fiction yes um but but is is a really interesting uh, every see every alien race has its own like very well thought out history she, and Becky structure. Is no slouch. She put this together. I mean, she had she had to have the charts. She had to have little bits of string connecting stuff. Like <laughs> she made like she made whole r- racial histories. Yeah. 
But, but how could you not love Lovey and Kizzy for that matter? My love, like, Kizzy is me. Yeah. Jenks, you mean, do you, do you mean Jenks retain Jenks? I also love Jenks. I love Jenks. But I love Kizzy. And what's I the, love Jenks. the captain's name? Ca- captain Ashby is just exactly who you'd want as a captain. He's stern, but he's warm. He knows everybody and cares about everybody. It's it's just a friendly family. I mean. Oh, and the botanist. The, the algaeist? Yes. Um, I would say that I warm to him. If he's I got, had, if he's I, got a lot going on in this book. We almost can't say anything more. Yes. To the spoiler section. But but there is a character, there is a character, the Algiest, who is kind of your kind of your curmudgeonly uh He's the odd man out. Like yeah, he, yeah, he doesn't really he's not social. But you, <laughs> but you need that sort of tension in a family dynamic like that. Yes, exactly. And there's other uh other characters we meet along the way who are all really cool. So I guess we should talk about a appeal score so that we can jump into okay uh here's the thing i i am i really struggled with the appeal score on this one i'm i am still struggling i am going to give this book a broad appeal i'm just shy of mass i was honestly leaning towards mass because if someone like me who's you know like my space opera is Star Wars, and I've really not connected with a lot of other space opera content. If I can be like, oh, yeah, this, this, this right here, this is my, yeah, this is my thing. I like this thing. Then I think a lot of people can. I was a Firefly fan, the TV show. Not so much the movie, but the TV show. But um, it's, you know, that's kind of... Ah. That's kind of different. I mean, so if I can like feel this huge connection to this content, I feel like other people really could too. And the plot is fun. It's great plot, but it's really all about these beautiful, amazing, diverse characters that will make you laugh, make you cry and make your heart grow three times bigger. I I agree with everything that you said, but for for a lot of the same reasons and, and basically what it's based on, I, I waffle between general and broad. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't want to like like pigeonhole science fiction and space opera into this own little well, it's almost always niche in that sort of situation. Yeah, but, yeah. But this book is in a lot of respects, a love letter to a lot of the ideas that come in this type of science fiction. And it's written for people who love this type of science fiction, but it's also so smart and warm and fun that it's not just for the niche. But it doesn't try to appeal to people who are not already, you know, who are not already, at least in some form, a science fiction fan. And I like that about it. I see what you mean. Like, it's a it's a little bit of, we've come across other books like this where it's a love letter to fans. Yeah. But at the same time, I think, um, I think she does such a beautiful way of explaining things and not dumbing it down, but making sure that everybody can be in on what's happening and that it opens up that niche a lot agreed and, and you know there's a lot of really deep ideas and, and and mind you this isn't like some other science fiction books that we read where where the science is actual pure theoretical science this does this takes you know theoretical existence of science when it comes to wormholes and such well and this is set quite in the future yes. and then and then takes it about 30 steps forward to the point where it Come, becomes a little fantastical, but is explained in a scientific way. Yeah. Um. So 
it, there's a lot of stuff in there for people like me who like a lot of details on how the science works, but none of it is necessary to really understand what's happening. Mm. And that's another that's another big, you know, big point in its favor to push it towards more of a broad audience. I just I feel like you have to have a little bit of science fiction experience to get into this book. And, and I, I'm not sure if that puts it into general or broad for me. Interesting. Um, I'd love to hear what other people think who read this and what you guys thought of it. I hope you freaking loved it and will join us over in the spoiler section to gush about it with us. And if you haven't read this book yet, I mean, I think we're saying we didn't get on it fast enough. I mean, stop what you're doing now and, and, and go pick this up. Really do you owe it to yourself. Anyone who listens to our show will love this book. Appeal or not, you are a genre junkie. <laughs> And and this this you'll love it. And we'll be back. Enjoying the show? Please like and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Genre Junkies. And don't forget to visit the website, genrejunkies.com. Scott, can you remind me what an ansible is? Alright, so as far as I am aware, Ansible started with Orson Scott Card. Okay. Now, it, it may be an idea that was before him, but that was when I was first introduced to it, was in um, was in the sequel to Ender's Game. And the Ansible is faster than light communication network, basically. Yes. Okay. Got you. Got you. Got you. Um, that's the name of our Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> And because Scott was like, he's always like, it has to be Ansible. And he's like obsessed with it. And um, I wouldn't say that I'm obsessed, <laughs> but obviously it made an impression. Okay, so let's, um, I kind of wanted to do the spoiler section in a way by kind of breaking down the characters. I agree. I don't think there's a better way to do yeah. it. I mean, like I said, and I, you guys know, because you've all read the book, the plot is great. The yeah. plot is great. It, it, and there's, I mean, it's an engaging, fun plot. But um, yeah, I mean, the characters are the glue that moves it. So. Well, yeah. I mean, basically, the plot is, is hey, there, this could be the the big job that le- that levels them up into the next, you know, you know, it to basically, this is kind of the jackpot job right and they have a little bit over a year to get to this place and and build a tunnel back in space effectively but the real meat of the story is everything that happens in between let's start with i mean our least favorite character we know this and it's supposed to be i would say the most challenging character to love which would be corbin the ship's algiest um I was not familiar with how these ships were powered and needing an algiest in a sci-fi capacity. I thought that was, first of all, really interesting. Are you familiar with that? Like, <laughs> only, only vaguely. I kind of have an idea that it is probably a type of algae that is both. Well, okay. The idea with algae is they create their own energy based on, uh, you know, in the case of algae here, sunlight. Mm-hmm. But you know, there, there is the idea that you can actually create excess energy and power things off of that. There is research into that right now. That's one of those things that is kind that is that is fantastical, but is based on kind of a, a, a let's call it a, a thought experiment. I think algae is awesome. I love algae. So I'm like, sure, why the heck not algae? So he's um 
he's a difficult guy to love and we find and to get along with and we find out it's because he was raised in you know a, a very toxic way and he's a freaking clone he's catnip for clones yeah he's a clone and he's a clone of of his you know very strict and kind of jerkish father and he has a lot of those same traits i knew that they would not abandon him oh I, well, I wasn't sure. What? I had an idea that he might abandon them. I thought that he might ultimately be like the the Judas, the one <gasps> to to betray them because he was so negative. But, but no, I, because he really actually cared about them because he's never had anything familial. That's what I was hoping for. Yeah. And obviously, once his chapter came along and you found out he was a clone and, and Sissick saved him, that's when I knew, okay, no, he's part of the family. This is, this is his kind of, you know, adoption arc, if you will. Yes. And it's like, he's still rough, but he is trying and he's opening up. And that's so wonderful for this character because we can't expect him to just be like, I'm a perfectly well-adjusted human being, you know, like in the spans of this book. But we can celebrate that he is trying and changing. He appreciates that he is a part of this family. He's not just an employee who's dealing with all of these crazy characters around him on this ship. Yeah. He is a part of the family and he wants to be a part of the family and he's accepted that he wants to be a part of the family. And Sissix puts it really well too when she talks about, we'll get into her whole thing, but like the family structure she's from, she's like, well, yeah, there's always one nobody likes. Like, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of like, that's not really anything new, but she's like, I don't know, she's so open, which is great. And then like, and, and for him, like, I mean, they're just totally oil and water. So it makes sense that they'd be foils. It's hilarious that she becomes his keeper but it's so i love that scene so much when she comes to get him and everything and it's just like (laughs) because you gotta do the right thing you gotta do the right thing i mean the poor man was tortured he was suffering um yeah and i appreciated his phone call with his dad and how that dad (laughs) self i don't know and how that like ended too where it's like the door was kind of open for them to have a better relationship too yeah i it was just it was emotional. It was emotional. And obviously, I I loved him after that arc and realized just how difficult he had it. And and yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just, you have a lot of compassion. It's a great exercise in compassion. Let's talk about Jinx and Lovey. Okay. I... Well, I mean, both of them separate and together because they're kind of, their plot line is very tight. Their plot line is intertwined and they are definitely very different characters, but a lot of what happens is based on, you know, a, a lot of Jenks's character development is based on Lovey's existence and yes. questions around her sentience. Yes. Um, I love a sentient AI. We both do. We love anything that is the struggle and what does it mean to be human? We love anything like that, you and I. And, and I love, I, again, I love the way that, that all of these characters think in very alien ways. And, and hers is very, very well realized in, in someone, okay, who's never had a body, mm-hmm. who's never felt anything. It can see and can think better than anyone else and thinks totally different because they think in machine language effectively, Yeah, but knows that she does have wants and knows that she is she does exist yes um 
it's wonderful and she's a great member of the crew and i thought it's god devastating when we lose her i know i i was like no this can't be i was kind of doing that thing where you're like kind of flipping ahead like no 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 she's fine she's fine she's fine i wasn't sure where that was going to go because you know there's that, that whole there's the whole kind of third of the book where they're talking about getting her a body and they're discussing about whether that's something that they want to do if that's safe to do and then they abandon that plan they 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 don't abandon it they they shelve it yes and I thought maybe that that would be the way that they were going to save Lovey is, is there'd be a way to like, well, if we transfer, like, if we transfer your consciousness into this body, that's the way to save you. I, I, and and then when she, when she died, mm-hmm. I was like, what, 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 what was the point of all of that? It was that just, what was the point? And of course, the point is that people we love die. Well, it's people that we love die, but it's also a vehicle for the new Lovelace to not be a constant reminder of who they've lost and to get her own body. Oh, she was so great and a sentient creature as well. A sentient human, whatever she wants. I don't know what she wants to identify as, but a sentient being as well that she, you know, saw that and because she didn't know. Remember, she's like, what's wrong with that poor man? And then she's like, yeah. I think I'm gonna go, yeah, and she's got obviously right a big sense of adventure. Whoever she is, yeah, as she's just was born. Well, because she <laughs> so is, she's learning. You know, the, her base programming, if you will, if I mean nature versus nurture, but her nature is still the same person as Lovey. Yes, she just is a different person, right? A different consciousness as Lovey. Well, it kind of blows your mind. You start to think of it in that nature versus nurture way, and it, it opens up like really big questions which is great um i really like pepper too of course oh, so it's absolutely. like so it's like yeah they're gonna go and we know that's what the second book is about it's about pepper yeah. and loveless um jenks is such an interesting character too because he was raised i mean all of our humans were raised really different but he was raised in I mean, his mom was in kind of a cult. You know, they like were doing this. Oh, gosh, it's so weird because I feel like there's. You would a, be a guyist. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say is that I would be a guyist. Absolutely. But then it's like the thing is, is that I am too grounded to know that that can't work because. I don't like the weird, you know, uh, xenophobia, xenophobia, and like humans have to. It's almost like eugenicist in a way. Like, yeah, yeah. I and I'm not I'm very much not that. And like the whole fact that it's like they're being monitored from space, and it's like it would just be my logical side couldn't live that way. I can't pull the wool over my eyes like that. But in theory, I would be a guyus. I'd be like his mom, who'd like go and be like, "This is how I want to live," and then be like, "Oh, this is awful." <laughs> it is nice that there are pockets on Earth where people can still live. It's nice in theory. It's nice in theory, but it's also like... Look how people ruined it, though. I know. Like we always do, right? Like we always do. <laughs> we don't deserve the Earth. Um, there's some great quotes about humans in here, too. And I did highlight a few of them. I would say that Jenks is probably my the, the character that I connected with the least... Oh. And, and I and I love him, uh-huh. but a lot of what I love about him is really in his interaction with other people. He's very funny. He, he's very funny. Like I loved Lovey, and I loved him because he loved Lovey. Yeah, I loved Kizzy. Yeah, and I loved him because of the relationship that he had with Kizzy. He's kind of he's kind of stuck in that that kind of place where he's 
defined by his relationships with other people in this book. And he's really the only character like that. Mm-hmm. But that's that's just kind of like, it was hard for me to feel like, okay, I I love him as a person. I just I just love the way he is with everybody else. I can see um I get what you're saying and I I see what you're saying very clearly, but I think there are a lot of people that would identify very strongly with Jenks because of his um he's really short. Yes. <laughs> like um what did they call it? Like he's not a Gen Week. Or is he a Gen Week? He's not a Gen Week. He's not a Gen Week, but he is substantially shorter than the average human. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people would identify oh, with his um, sense of pride and who he is and how, you know, it's um, could be seen by some as this disability or like, you know, kind of disenfranchisement. And, you know, like, oh, you, you know, he's got it so rough. And he's like, no, I'm a brilliant mechanic. I'm in love. I'm a good friend. And, you know, like all that, all that cool stuff about him. Absolutely. And all that stuff is, is, is realized in the book, you know, really, really well. You know, I appreciate that he's never diagnosed like, oh, he has this condition. Um, and, 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 you know, the author does use it as, as a way to kind of exp- set up some other ideas that come up later in the book when it yeah. comes to Gen Weeks and things like that. Yes. But he he just, it doesn't matter. He, he just is, is who he is. He is short. Yeah. And yeah, he doesn't like to be teased about it. Every once in a while with, with his family, basically, they'll... they'll, they'll they can throw a little um, funny you know yeah because it goes both ways yes yeah <laughs> god knows um can we talk about me kizzy let's please so you have to like kizzy because you are married to me i do love kizzy and it's hard like if i had to pick a favorite she's up there she is such a funny fun i love the way you said it she's a human exclamation point just the way that she just dives into the walls and just is is going at all those mechanics and all this the spicy shrimp and her 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 big scene her chapter when she's dealing with the fear is so relatable it's perfect actually and her real (laughs) when she's remembering pay and like that species and they're so beautiful and crazy and like they're afraid of fish and she's like and i have to remember that that like crazy mercenary like friend is afraid of fish and it's so it's an equalizer and her journey through that anxiety is just so beautiful um love that she has dads too by the way that did not go unnoticed no that was really it was really cool the way that that, yeah. that was just, it was what it was. Like everything in this book, everything, every person, they just are who they are. And it's so beautiful. Like, I really like, oh my God, it just, oh my God, it just moves me so much. But um, I am Kizzy. She is me. We are we. <laughs> um, Let's talk about the captain. Um, You know, what's interesting is you said like, he's what you'd want in a captain. Um, I love that he has this romance with this person who's so different than him in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um. I love that he is not Mal from Firefly. Mm, I love that he is not um, Chris Pat's character in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, is Guardians of the Galaxy a space opera? Because I love Guardians of the Galaxy. That would be a space opera, yes. Oh, oh, I also love that. (laughs) Kind of the same reasons as this. Uh, You know, I'm all about that Groot life. Um, Especially, I would say, too. 
Yes. Definitely falls into the space opera category. But he's not those archetypes. And it's nice. It's so nice that he's not a swaggery Captain Tight Pants. Like, you know what I mean, though? Like, there's nothing wrong with those characters. Nothing wrong with them. He's not, he's not roguish. He's not, he he is. Roguish, none of that. Yeah, no, he is, he is the captain of the ship. He, he owns this. He is their employer. He's their boss. He, you know, he, and he takes their best interests in mind at all times. Yes. Which, which, you know, keeping the ship running and being financially, you know, uh, you know, making the right financial choices is the best thing for his crew. Yes. And he does it for them. Yeah. He wants to take this job so that he can give them raises so that he can get bigger jobs and they can get paid more. He's not in it to make himself rich. Right. He's in it to support this family that he's built around him. And I love that his um his girlfriend, his partner, what have you, like I said, they're vastly different from each other. And they both have a lot of agency and like they're really their own people and they're totally on their own journeys right now. And you can imagine these two might decide to kind of settle down in their ways together at some point because they you know really love each other and and i think they'll you know get to that point very soon where they they want to spend more time together well it sounds like she's gonna join the crew yes exactly i mean it's not like out and out said but it's like you can see and then like he even says in there like in one of his things that you know he could potentially settle down someday Mm -hmm. like his sister used to be on the crew you know i don't know just cool stuff like that that you're like he is interesting like he's not my favorite but he is interesting and i like him i I like him he's my family so i love him (laughs) he he's He's kind of where where um where Rosemary is kind of the fresh eyes self insertion into this. Yeah, he is the the caretaker self insertion where you know he's not like just just the perfect you know the perfect caretaker of everybody. He's not as you said the sage character, which we'll get into in a moment. Oh. But he's he's the patriarch. But you know what too is I was so freaking happy when Rosemary put him in his place. Yes, he needed to hear that because he um gosh <laughs> i think like oh this is a generalization but you know sometimes cisgendered heterosexual males have a tendency to be kind of like well i don't know <laughs> like you know like kind of attitude sometimes and like well what good's that gonna do or you know just kind of not quite defeatist but kind of meh or you know like thing and then she's like we're your family get out there and represent us god damn it yes. like and it was just kind of the right kick in the pants that he was like duh and then he gets there and he is so impassioned and yeah and they let him talk for like all of two minutes yeah like wait this is it yeah but she kind of like kicked him out of his um complacency a little bit yeah. uh let's talk about rosemary yeah so one thing that that the that i did not realize hearing about this book and especially the way that it's introduced is I thought this book was going to be primarily from Rosemary's perspective. It's not. And she de- like it definitely starts that way. It's a way to be introduced in a way yeah, where she has, can be explained. She has a lot of perspectives in order to like explain stuff to us, but yeah. But she's not the main character of this book. There is no main character of this book. Surprise. And that's that's probably my favorite thing about it. But yeah. but she is a great character. You know, she is 
from privilege and she ran away because her parents did awful things and she she wanted to make her own name and not be looked at as you know the daughter of al capone basically yeah well yeah i mean uh she she did something really brave which i always admire in a character and in a person when they have to like i mean obviously she knows like her job and like what she's doing but where otherwise you have to just basically take a leap of faith and abandon everything and then of course she um you know becomes vulnerable and opens up to her crew these people that she loves and um you know and it's a little weird for them as but jenks put everything so perfectly in their conversation yeah. in that scene and it's like but it's okay like you know she she was so afraid of like what they would think and it's like you know like they they know that she's not that she's there she's not her father you know and um hi just I mean, I love Rosemary, but hi. Yeah, the fact that she is having some sort of a relationship with Sussex just like bumped her up like 12 notches in my book. Their relationship is beautiful. It was like and- everything. And I I could I could see it coming. I was like, she is crushing on Sussex. I kind of saw it coming yeah. too. And I was like, oh, please. Oh, please, please. Let this go where I want it to go. Well, and, I, and, you know, I was expecting it to go to a... a- truly you know a a true relationship standard classic yeah typical okay these two are going to be an otp and i like the the way that it goes where it's like no we care about each other we're we're we care about each other very very much yeah you know we don't have to get married we don't have to be there's feelings and we can and and we can explore those because rosemary definitely has a crush on her oh hugely and sussex has a crush on her in return in her way absolutely and i just i liked the way everything was so well explained there was no big dramatic as we've said so many times where it's like characters are like i care about you so let me just make the decision for you how you can feel about me (laughs) and it's like because we hate that well i mean we hate it because it's like oh my god and you know and like rosemary's so smart and she's just like hey hey, i get it Uh, it, i get it i get it yeah their their whole conversation in her bunk was one of the most satisfying adult one-on-one conversations shouldn't we all just have those conversations with people beautiful communication skills and and especially when when you have and and you have sissix who is very concerned about yeah and that's a big part of her character she's very concerned about not offending other people and 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 acclimating to what other people expect of her yeah but she's but you know the person who's kind of the most open is the one who has the most trouble communicating in that in that in that conversation. Yeah, and it's so perfect. And it was like, and it was funny too at times. And like, you know, it was basically reading between the lines. Rosemary's like, "Look, I'm not trying to be like a saint here, or like, you know, like I I, I want to do this. Yeah, you know, and I'm not putting a ring on it." Yeah. And I also just, I, I thought it was really funny that she's like, okay, I've never coupled with a human. And she's like, okay, I've never coupled with a, <laughs> is, uh, is she? I don't know how to pronounce I, it. I've never coupled with a reptile. And it's like, <laughs> hey, that's racist. No, <laughs> she says reptile. Oh, you're right. Reptile is okay. It's lizard. That's Lizards, not good. Nah. Well, I would never say anything to my Sussex baby. <laughs> I love her. She's my precious baby. I love her so much. I love their culture. I love everything. Thing about their culture oh my gosh everything about it um for those who don't know 
and I'm not referring, I'm not being racist here. Sandra is a huge reptile and lizard fan and amphibian. Yes. Um, and like there's that, I highlighted this one part where she's talking about the dinosaurs on Earth and, you know, talking about like what took them out. She's like, ah, eh, too bad. There should be more reptiles. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and I'm like, girl, I agree. <laughs> like I love reptiles and I love, I love their societies. I love how her society works and operates. It's so cool. So I, we've kind of, we've kind of transitioned into talking about cystics yeah, as well yes, in this. Yes. And, and I think it's important. I, I, I love the emotional openness of that, of that race. Yes, it's my goal to get there. Just, you know, the the way their whole language is built around both just like actual communicating ideas and also communicating emotions through hand signals that's much more adept at it's like showing. emphasis. Yeah. Yeah. And I love they have feathers. Yes. I I can picture that character and it's beautiful and wonderful. It's, it's, I love her. I love her so much. And I love how much she swears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her and Kizzy are my swearing girls. And I'm like, yes. Yes, Mama. And I love her uh, relationship with Ashby and with the family and the crew. And we touched on Corbin. Ugh. Uh, I, I mean, I almost can't talk about her culture because I just gush. Well, one of the things I really appreciate that about this book is... is especially with the alien races, there are a lot of things that are perhaps uh, that are, they're open to negative stereotype from humans. Yes. Because all of these, all of these races, it, uh, it is challenging your worldview, which is what I love about embracing diversity. And instead of, of using it to make jokes, which I will say going back, you know, take a shot, everybody, to Farscape. Some of these tropes exist in Farscape. There is a character who is, who is you know, hypersexual. There is a character who is, you know, like really uptight. There's like, there's a lot of these tropes, these tropes. And it's, it is played for a lot of jokes. Yeah. As well as a lot of seriousness in Farscape. Yeah. And in this, it's definitely addressed, and it's important that it's addressed. The humans are, you know, Rosemary in particular, like, you know, I'm kind of like implying my own human cultural things on this. Right, and right. But it's not played for laughs, and it's not teased at. It's it's explored oh and, my God. I just and thought blooms. Of, I just thought of another intrepid crew that does this. The Golden Girls of Miami. <laughs> fight me they do it too they do they do i mean they, they play it for laughs we love our girls and there's nothing wrong I, i'm i don't think i don't feel like there's anything wrong with that right but i i love that in this vessel this book it's about not putting your hang-ups onto other people and this book is very much about accepting others for who they are yes and just and letting and 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 going in both directions yeah and both parties just accepting each other's differences yes making concessions towards each other in both directions like Sissix and um, Dr. Chef have some conversations about how they smell. And so he puts like stuff in the showers so that they, because humans, and they, they get, um they get fed up with the humans sometimes it's like, because they're so human about everything. They're so human. They, they, they don't, they don't accept the, the emotions that they're having. They yeah. smell bad. Yes. They, 
and they're and yeah they're just so like oh like exhausting in their narrow-mindedness and whatever i i don't know exactly how to put it but it's it's so wonderful that it goes both ways but it's like i said it's a microcosm macrocosm of how we should all be so much more accepting of one another Mm -hmm. and not put your stuff and the stuff you were raised with and the stuff your society told you to think onto other people um I guess let's talk about Ohan. Ohan. Okay. So this was a character that right away went straight to my heart because of Farscape again. I I knew you were going to love Ohan. Um, So Farscape is the other thing that I know of where there's an actual alien race that's a pilot or a navigator. Mm -hmm. And navigator in this this one. Yeah. It's a pilot in in Farscape. Sissix is the pilot. Yes. Um, I, I love that idea and and it's not, it's, he is not strictly original from that sense. He, he, he borrows a lot from pilot, the character in Farscape. Okay. Yeah. Not, not in looks, but in, in. Oh no, there's nothing I've ever read. That's like an Ohan. No, they're kind (laughs) of like a, a chimp, I guess, (laughs) like in a weird way. Like I think she describes it at some point, there's something kind of simian about their appearance. Yeah. I kind of pictured it like, um, the 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 blue character in Star Wars Rebels, I can't remember his name, oh, but with a yeah. lot more legs. <laughs> Just a lot more legs. And um does cool fur designs. Like yeah. hey, look at that. And and also not like an ape or anything. But anyway, like um I have never come across a character that is like with the virus, the whisperer, that. So that that is another thing. I feel that I don't know if she has read a lot of Orson Scott Card or if a lot of Orson Scott Card's ideas have actually just kind of permeated over time into this. Because there's a lot of things from Orson Scott Card, including a virus that changes people and may even quote unquote improve people. Mm. I use air quotes on that. Right. Um, That is a very strong message again in the sequels to Ender's Game. Right. It is all about a virus that is necessary for these alien races to evolve and and go into the next version of their lives. And of course, it's deadly poisonous to to people. It's a totally different. I mean, it's it's a different. It is the crux of a lot of what happens in especially the first book as well as in the second. But that is a very similar idea. Okay, I got you. I got you. Um, but it is very interesting their relationship, the fact that they are a they. Yeah. Um, which I love because, of course, that you know is very easily translatable into our our world today and our culture today. You know, like people wanting to identify with they them pronouns, and that was how it reflected a little bit to me. Is like it was like a really beautiful way of like accepting folks who don't identify as a singular gender that's how i saw it and i and i really liked that i did i did like that and but one thing that i found interesting about this is and i and maybe it actually has fallen out of favor so this was written in 2016 Mm -hmm. but the non-gendered pronouns that are used in this are things i've seen in science fiction before oh yes yeah z and zare oh yes yeah me too which I, i have not seen that and, and there was a large push, I remember, a while ago, and I don't remember when I was really seeing it, to use those those non-gendered pronouns. And mm. it has cha- since changed into to they and them. Yeah. With, with Ohan, um, their pronouns is really because they are a pair. 
They yes. are they are two people. Yes. I guess what I'm trying to say is I find it interesting that the author found a way to explore both they them pronouns as well as the Zer pronouns, which I haven't seen a lot recently. I I agree and I I see that too and and I see Ohan as, you know, you know identifying as a they as a nice simile again microcosm macrocosm yeah. for people who identify as they as well. Um I felt so much compassion for Ohan um, as they were waning. It was so painful. Um, And I wanted them to take that shot so bad. Oh, and it's like, I know it's their culture and I get it. And both sides of that argument was argued really compellingly. Does Dr. Shep administer the shot or do they not administer the shot? Like, and even within Ohan's own species, I found it so interesting. The, um, the heretics. Yeah. I love a heretic. Um, (laughs) so it's kind of hard. Like, I kind of like lean towards like the heretics way just because that's how I am as a person, you know? Yeah. Um, (laughs) But but at the same time, I respect Ohan's religious choices. It was a really compelling argument. It was on both sides. And and when you have a book like this that explores so heavily in, you know, following your own culture and and the your right to to live the way that you want to and be the person that you are. Right. It it was it, it's a little bit difficult for me that um that Ohan ended up being injected with with the cure. Yeah, they lost their agency, which is unfortunate. But the the argument was there in both directions. I was not convinced that Ohan should lose their agency. Yeah. Myself. Same. But the argument was made enough in a way that I I understand they couldn't lose both Lovey and Ohan. And, And in Ohan's case... The virus is not sentient. Viruses are not sentient. Right. They do not have the capability of being sentient. Right. And it makes sense for Corbin, who's so rooted in logic, to be the one that's, you know, and that's actually a way of showing how much he cares about Ohan and everyone else, that he's like, it, we're just doing this. <laughs> like, he's like, nope, 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 we're doing it. Um, And I like both Ohans that we get. I do too. Ohan before the shot and Ohan after the shot. He's such a, he's such a gentle soul. Such a gentle And I, I use he on purpose. Yeah, well, because by Because I'm- he, Ohan, not the virus, is a very gentle soul. And it's not just the virus who made him that. And that's a really, it's it brings up, I guess, especially why Ohan's agency is such an interesting dilemma is because of the religious aspect and of the like, you know, like what if Ohan's situation had been different? Like the like the lady species of his that they meet on the planet. Mm-hmm. I can't remember her name. I'm sorry, girl. But um, where it's like, what if like you did have the choice? Like, because in a way, Ohan never had the choice. So it, yeah, so it brings up a lot of like interesting religious questions too and about kind of being able to choose your faith versus faith being kind of forced on you it brings up so many interesting questions 
It does. And, and like I said, I don't know that it convinced me that the direction that it went was the right one. Right. But it still made me happy. Still made me I happy. didn't want to lose all Han. I didn't want them to lose all. Could you yeah. imagine them hiring a new navigator? That's exactly what I thought was going to happen. It's the I'm same like, thing with like Lovey. Yeah. I'm like, do we go get another cyanide pair? Like, I don't know if I want that. No. I want my Ohan. No. Um, And I liked how it was hard, but our new Ohan um, yeah, like had this wonderful adaptability that's like in a way I found really admirable that it's like, well, this is my situation now. So uh, let's do this. And because the Ohan before the shot and Ohan after the shot knew that these creatures cared about him very much. And, and that's one of the things, you know, that was set up earlier on in the book that made the decision that Corbin made for him okay. Yeah. Is after they saved him. Yeah. Well, them at the time. Yeah. They started following them around like just to be in the same room with other people I wanted to learn how to like cook and chop vegetables well that's after yeah yeah it was but, so but, but before when yeah when, yes, when they yes. were still infected like that's when you started to see oh a little Ohan change as a singular yeah come out from from ohan as as a pair yeah and and that that softness that was there so let's say we in so many ways, perhaps save the best for last. Dr. Chef. <laughs> Dr. Chef. Talk about a gentle soul. Dr. Chef is everything. I had such a interesting conglomerate picture in my head for what Dr. Chef looked like. <laughs> kind of an otter, kind of a walrus, kind of an octopus, um, kind of grimace from McDonald's. <laughs> um <laughs> It was like a in my mind it ended up working but it was a lot. It is a lot. Um I love their uh, I love <laughs> love Dr. Chef so much and I love that their race starts out as female and turns to male. I think that's so cool. Yes. And I oh, his his stories about his daughters, about his life, about what he's learned, it, everything was just so powerful and beautiful. And I cannot imagine him, you know, I can't imagine his race being so warring and awful to each other. And there was like something so tender about when I think it's Sissick says something about him being a father and he's like, oh, I've only ever been a mother. Yeah. And it was just like, God, he lost his babies. I'm like, ah. oh. I mean, just, mm. and like how he was so accepting of what happened to his species in such a way that um, I think gives all of us humans pause that he was like, no, we, we did this. We did this to ourselves. Yeah. And we, as a species, have not earned the right to exist anymore. Powerful, but it's um, it's deep. It's it's really it thought provoking, especially for us humans. That's kind of like the antithesis. Well, because we we as humans, we have a lot of there, there's a lot of um both both biological as well as cultural drive to continue the species. Exactly. Yeah. There there's always the idea of okay, you know, the last man and woman are going to repopulate the earth and that's kind of a joke of course, but yeah. there's 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 that that um responsibility yeah. that's kind of culturally ingrained in us. Right. And to have uh, to have 
another alien race uh, shun that quote-unquote responsibility and just and say we don't we there we do not have the responsibility to continue our race <laughs> spoiler alert it's like the end of cabin in the woods <laughs> <laughs> um yeah dr chef so sweet i loved his excitement over cooking and over nurturing people and over taking care of things and i love how excited he was to get a rosemary plant and like oh it was just everything about it was so unbelievably precious. I love how some of the things that he uses, he doesn't even know what it is. No, but it's, you know, or what was it? He ate a whole thing of garlic? No, of uh, ginger. Of ginger. So like, cute. I like it. It's, uh, you know, it's it's crunchy. It's yeah. a little stronger than than a potato. And she's like, well, it's a spice. <laughs> It's 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 an accent flavor, I, and I love the nurturing aspect so much. So like um, that, Doctor Chef always set a place for Ohan. That was really nice. That yeah. th- that they always set a place at the table, even though Ohan, Ohan never joined them and ate weird paste and. <laughs> and isolated uh was their choice but it was just like oh so sweet and yeah we kind of touched on that scene with um sissix when he's like helping her molt (laughs) 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 poor thing oh it's so sweet he's just too he's too precious he's too good for us we don't deserve dr chef yeah i guess it's time to wrap it up is i want to live with these characters i want to be on forever on the wayfair it makes me cry that this book is over it makes me cry even more that the next book might not have them in it i can tell i'm going to reread this book again like i said i'm gonna shove it down people's throats this is what everybody's getting for christmas you know that joke like everybody's getting a candle yeah everybody's getting this book and we've you know done that before where we're like this is the book everybody here's your copy here's your copy (laughs) um and this is this is what y'all getting um it almost feels comedic but I just try to, I mean, obviously, I think obviously we're going to have the same rating. Oh, yeah. I This is five out of five. Um, wormholes. Oh, wormhole. Oh, I was going to say, um, what are the little robots? Oh, the, like? the, the fixed bots. Definitely five out of five fixed bots with tiny knitted hats. Yes. That again. So me. It's so you. Yeah. Little, little pom pom knitted hats. <laughs> for the babies agreed five out of five fixed bots um and then a sixth one hanging out in the wall because there's just i can't i i gush i cannot gush about this book enough me neither but i will try for the rest of my life it it just makes me so happy it's joy and it's amazing and it challenges you and it gives you warm fuzzies and we love you guys and we all need books like this in this time of pandemic and self-isolation to help us remember to be kind and compassionate and open and to think about um you know everybody and work together and be a team and do our part yeah 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 um thank you scott thank you sandra thank you listeners and readers and as always please keep reading past your bedtime